Well, hi, everyone. I want to welcome you all to another episode of On The Mark Sports Talk with your host, Mark with a C. And uh, welcome, everybody. This is our 152nd show in 152 consecutive weeks. How about that? Do you mind if I say Kanahara? You can say whatever you want to say. Uh, how is our fabulous and dedicated panel of sports experts today? How are we doing? All right. Good. Well, thank you. Mark. Thank you. Fine. How are you thank doing, you. Mark? We're going to have a fabulous show, but before we do, I have a quick story I want to know. I have these quick stories to tell you. Uh, as many of you know, I celebrated my birthday last weekend, and as a usual family tradition, we had the family get together, we had dinner, and they exchanged some gifts to me. One son gave me, uh, and his family gave me Starbucks gift cards because they know I love my coffee. And the other son uh, and his family gave me two boxes of baseball cards. Well, in a box of Topps Chrome Black, I pulled out a Julio Rodriguez card, the Mariners superstar outfielder. Uh, my son quickly searched it online. And it really goes for two thousand dollars <laughs> if it's wow. a, if it's great if it's greater than ten. Uh, <laughs> the card, the nine, the, the cards that were greater nine were sold to seventeen hundred and fifty dollars. So he's wow. going to send the card in for for grading. And lo and behold, I'm sure the card looked in perfect condition. And uh, but you know, if it's worth, I'd say. $1,700. I got to give that money to my son, right? I can't keep it. Well, <laughs> when it's your legacy to him. When you pass yeah. away, he'll inherit it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, before we begin, before we begin, a quick reminder. <coughs> Next week's show will be on Tuesday. Tuesday, 4 o'clock at 4-4, on, April 4th. Uh, not Thursday, because Thursday is a, a Jewish holiday. So let's do it on Tuesday. Show number 153. <laughs> we have a very special guest joining our show today. I'd like to turn the mic over to a man who's been working behind the scenes on this show, especially in getting us some of some very interesting guests. So for the introductions of our special guest, I give you Barry Cohen. Barry, take it away. Thank you, Mark. Hello, everybody. Happy opening day uh, baseball season to you all. Well, this gentleman that I'm about to introduce to you has been a longtime friend of mine, uh, probably close to 45, maybe 50 years. We went to Bayside High School together, and uh, we call him Bullet Bob Nandon. Bullet Bob Nandon made his uh, claim to fame in professional baseball. He actually played shortstop for the Detroit Tigers um, alongside Howard Johnson. He was the third baseman and Rob, uh, Rob was the shortstop. And he was a switch hitting shortstop, hit 300 almost every season, had a, a bullet for an arm. That's why we call a bullet bar. But more importantly than that, a really nice guy, a longtime friend. We reconnected a few years ago. We had him down here to Florida and hung out together, had a great time. And then I just happened to bring up uh, the show to him. And I asked him if you thought uh, you'd like to come on to the show. It's a lot of fun, a lot of great guys. You could tell your story. 
you'll get a lot of interesting questions from people. He said, sure, why not? It'd be a lot of fun. So, you know, Rob's a very busy guy. He's a family man. He's traveling all around the world. He just got back from a wedding in Colombia, uh, South America. Uh, he's a world traveler. He's very successful right now in uh, property management. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to uh, open up this uh, show to my good friend, Mr. Rob Nanden. Take it away, Rob. Wow, Barry, what an introduction. I need Just, to pay uh, you Don't forget for the check, all right? <laughs> <laughs> very nicely done, Barry, very nice. You always had that radio voice. You've, I was always very impressed with you growing up, especially <laughs> playing sports with you in Bayside. Uh, it's always been a lot of fun, but thank you for that great introduction. That was very, very nice. Appreciate it. Hey, Rob, so uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe what you're doing now, or, and we'll go back to, then we'll go backwards to your, your career as a ball player. Okay, what I'm doing now, well, I'm retired. I worked for the cable company for uh, 30 years after my playing days and coaching days were over. I did coach on the professional level for two years with the Toronto Blue Jays, so that's why I get a little perturbed sometimes when I hear you guys talk about, I don't like the Toronto Blue Jays. I hate the Houston Astros or these. Now these are all teams that I played for at one time or another. And, but right now uh, I'm retired. Um, I like to play a lot of pickleball. That's my new passion. I'm looking forward to playing golf. I like playing golf a lot. Um, but um, I, I also, like Barry mentioned earlier, I own uh, several uh, rental properties which I um, rent out. And so uh, I just lost everybody. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's what I'm doing right now. So basically, can you hear me? Yeah, they, they, I, I muted them all. Oh, okay. <laughs> if they want to say something, they, they know what to do. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, that's, that's basically what I'm doing right now. Uh, we do travel a lot, like Barry mentioned, we like to take vacations. And um, I live in Syracuse only because uh, all my family is here. Uh, I played, I played uh, professional baseball here with the Syracuse Chiefs, which is their AAA uh, Toronto Blue Jays, AAA organization. And my whole family's here. I'm a grandfather with twins, twin girls. Uh, they're seven years old. Um, my wife's parents are close by as well. So my whole family's here. And if it wasn't for them, I'd probably be hang hanging out with Barry out in Florida somewhere. But that's that's basically what I'm doing right now. So when I when I called you the other day, I don't mind saying this. I asked you, should we call you Rob? Should we call you Bob? Should, and you said, call me Bobby. <laughs> so that's what my wife calls me. <laughs> Bobby, <laughs> did you did you do this? Did you do that? <laughs> Bobby. Okay. Bobby. So, Bobby Landon is fine. Why don't you like bring us up? You you said you played uh, ball. Did you play in little league ball in the in Queens area? I did. My, my kids I came did. up little league in Queens. Where did you put Bayside Little League? Uh, well, a long time we, ago. Yeah, yeah. We moved in. Well, I let me start by saying where I was born. I was born in Colombia, South America. And my parents brought me to the States when I was seven years old and to get a better education here, I learned how to play soccer, baseball, all kinds of sports. 
And I did play Little League. And we moved to Astoria, Queens. Okay. We lived in a small uh, two-bedroom apartment. Um, my brother and I shared one room. My sister had her own room. And my mom and dad lived in a, uh, in a pull-out couch in the living room. But from there, uh, my dad made, made ends meet. He, he worked two jobs. Uh, then we moved to Bayside. I was, I believe I was 14 at the time Okay. when I moved to Bayside. And that's where I got to, to meet Barry and all my friends uh, in the neighborhood. But I did play uh, Little League in Bayside. And uh, my brother and I were both on the team. And we played Little League. And then we played high school ball together. And you know how it is when, you, when you're growing up. And you're, and you're a pretty good athlete. You're like the best one in high school. Then you get a scholarship to go to college. I got one to go to New York Tech for baseball and soccer. And then you, you, you make your mark there. And then I signed a professional baseball contract with the Detroit Tigers. And now, now you're playing amongst all the other good players from all over the, the country. So you're no longer a standout. You're like, Okay, you're even keel with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So now you really got to compete and, and make your mark at the professional level. So uh, my, my drawback, I think, was that everyone said that I was too short. <clears throat> I'm, five, I'm five, eight and a half. Don't forget that half mark. <laughs> five, five, eight and a half. It means a lot. You want to say in the baseball card, six foot three? <laughs> <laughs> It's on the baseball card says uh, five nine, <laughs> and and I have a funny story about that too. Uh, my baseball card is all messed up. They have my wrong height, my wrong birthday. They made me a year younger, and they made up a birthday for me. <laughs> so it's it's funny. One day I come here to Syracuse to play with the the Blue Jays, and they it's April sixteenth or something, and I walk into the clubhouse. And there's about 20 not whole people from the not whole club. It's the fans that support you. And they have a big birthday party for me. I walk in the clubhouse, they're like, surprise. I'm going, what? How did you know? It's on your baseball card. And I was like, I am truly surprised. That was a, that was a surprise because it, it was the wrong birthday. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I wound up here in Syracuse. Played here, met my wife here, and uh, nice place to live, get away from the hustle and bustle of New York City. Uh, just more laid back. Uh, I really enjoy it. But, um, but how was the thrill when, when, when you heard that the Detroit Tigers wanted to give you a contract? That must have been really wild, right? Oh, it, it, was, it was a dream come true for me because – Ever since I was seven years old, all I wanted to do was play baseball. Uh, and once uh, I was offered that contract, <coughs> I was ecstatic. I was like, wow, this is That great. was everyone's dream. Everyone on the screen right now, anyone that's listening to us, their, their dream, I want to, be a, want to be a baseball player. I want to play in the Yankees. I want to play in the Mets, you know. But yeah. you, you live your dream. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, that was a dream come true for me. However, I never did make it to the big leagues. So that was my ultimate dream. But um, like I said, I was five foot eight and a half. And the, 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 the talk was he's too little. Um, he's never going to make it past a ball, this and that. And that kind of motivated me even more. 
So that kind of lit a fire under my butt and got kind of got me working harder and playing harder. You know, back in those days, you know, you're competing. I wasn't a big bonus baby. So when I signed with the Tigers, I had guys like Kurt Gibson on my team who signed a bonus contract for 250000 He was the number one pick at the time for the Tigers. He was a big bonus baby. So you knew he was going to at least get a chance to make it to the big leagues. And I was just a, uh, a free agent signee. You know, got a small bonus, and that was about it. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was, a, it was a dream come true for me, and it was great playing for the Tigers because Jim Leland was my first A-ball manager, and Kurt Gibson was on my team. Some other big-name players were on the team as well. And it was just a thrill to, to play under Jim Leland. He was, he was just uh, a fair coach's manager or player's manager, as you say. He, he didn't care whether you you were a big bonus baby or you were a free agent. He treated everybody the same. And um, that's why I respect him as much as I do. And, um, yeah, he, he was an incredible manager. He was just so much fun to play for. And um, he eventually called me up to AAA. Um, I, made, I went through the steps, and uh, eventually I got to AAA, played with him in AAA baseball. Um, and that's when I got the opportunity to play for, uh, well, Mark Fidrich was, was the pitcher at the time. He was in rehab. So he was, he was, do um, you remember Mark Fidrich, the bird? Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everybody. All right. You got to be pretty old to remember the bird. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, it was uh, a thrill to be up in AAA playing, not only for Jim Leland, but playing for Mark, the bird, Fidrich. I remember playing shortstop. And uh, I made a, a nice play behind him. And after the play, he came running out to the shortstop position, patted me in the butt. And he's like, great play, Bobby. Way to go, buddy. You know, and then he went up back to the mound and started patting the mound, <laughs> uh, talking to the ball like he, like he normally does. Yeah. He was fun to play behind, behind uh, on defense. Even though he did all these antics, like rub the pitcher's mound, talk to the ball, his uh, – he didn't take a, lot, a whole lot of time on the mound. I mean, he did his thing, but he, he got the sign, he threw the ball. So, you know, on defense, you were ready. You were ready to make a play every time. And, and that's why I'm in favor of that, uh, that, clock, that clock time now with pitchers yeah. and batters. Yeah. So, but yeah, from there, from the Detroit Tigers, um, the Toronto Blue Jays called the Tigers and at that time, they had an abundance of infielders. Um, they had Lou Whitaker, who was a rookie of the year. They had Alan Trammell, rookie of the year at shortstop. They had a lot of infielders. So I was kind of expendable. And uh, so they, uh, they traded me to the Toronto Blue Jays organization. And I like to say they traded me for, uh, for a dozen baseballs and a whirlpool. <laughs> maybe a couple of bats but it wasn't a big trade but I was just happy to play anywhere you know when when you're in the minor leagues and you, you play and you don't care about the money all you care about is for the for the love of the game and that's all I wanted to do is just play <clears throat> so I go to the Blue Jays organization and um 
I start playing with their AAA team in spring training. Tony Fernandez is a shortstop for the Blue Jays at the time. Uh, Demacio Garcia was a second baseman. He was a fixture there. And they had a couple other infielders that were very, very good. So uh, I had just, uh, they said to me, Bobby, we're going to send you to A-ball. And I'm like, no, no, I'm sorry, Mark. They, you're gonna, we're going to send you to double-A. <coughs> and I hated the Southern League. I had played in the Southern League with the Tigers. And uh, the bus rides were just way, way too long. And it was just no fun for me. <coughs> I didn't enjoy it. So I, I said, I don't want to go to double A. I said, I'm a proven triple A player. Um, so I'm arguing with the front office. I don't have an agent. I don't have an agent. I have nobody. And I just, I just want to be in triple A, not double A. So I told them, I said, so they said, well, then if you don't want to go to double A, we'll send you to A ball. So they sent me to A ball in Kingston, North Carolina. So I said, a, okay. that, was like a, that was like a punishment then, no? It, it, it was and Slap it was in the face. It, it, it was, but it wasn't because I did not want to go to the Southern League and I just still wanted oh. to play baseball. Okay. Because I know I wouldn't have made it in double A again with the bus rides. I was cramping up. It was just it was just no fun. I I I it was no fun at all. So they sent me to A ball and and they promised me that as soon as there was an opening in triple A, that they would call me up from A ball. Okay. So I agreed to that. I said, okay, deal. I like that. So I played in double uh, in uh, a ball, and I believe I'm like 22 years old, kind of old for an a ball player, but not that old either. Um, so sure enough, there's a there's a second baseman who was in AAA that got hurt, and so they call me up. He 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 broke his finger. The second baseman broke his finger. So he says. We're going to bring you up, but when he heals, we're going to send you back down to A-ball. And I'm going, really? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So uh, I go up and I pay my dues and I, I come I come up to AAA, which is here in Syracuse. And, and, and at MacArthur Stadium here at the time was, to me, was a beautiful field. The grass was perfectly manicured. The infield was dragged beautifully. It was just, I was in heaven. I said, wow, this is great. Down in A-ball, I had to rake my own position. I had to just do a lot of work on the field myself to make it nice. So anyways, I started playing. I'm leading off. Tony Fernandez, that second. And all of a sudden, we start winning games. I'm getting on base. I'm stealing bases. I'm, I'm hitting the ball. I'm just playing good defense. I'm just – I'm doing it all. And uh, – we win like six games in a row. And finally, this, this kid's uh, finger starts to heal, so he's going to come back. So Jim Beecham was the manager at the time. And he actually pay, played for the Mets at one time. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I, yep. knew you, I knew you'd know that. First base. Yep, yep. And so uh, he, Jim Beecham calls me in his office, and he says, Bobby, we're going to – we're gonna we gotta send you back down. Those are orders from up above. But I he's he promised me, he says, as soon as there's an opening, we're gonna call you right back up. And sure enough, a pitcher got hurt and there was room on the roster for me. So he called, so I went back down for a week 
to a ball and a week later i get called back up and they said this time bring all your stuff bring all your gear you're staying you're staying so that was like awesome i was tickle pink and i i played i played well here in syracuse the fans voted me most popular player because i was friendly i like to sign autographs um i gave away broken bats you know i would just <laughs> I, I just love the game i was one of those guys that just love the game and love the fans. And that's that's actually how I met my wife. I don't know if you want to get into that, but I can tell you. You could tell us. <laughs> it's it's uh I was signing autograph after one game. There was a bunch of kids waiting to sign autographs. And my wife and her girlfriend, uh, because her girlfriend was going out with our trainer at the time, and they were best friends. So I'm signing autographs, a bunch of these little kids all lined up. And one little kid was crying. So she came down to help this one little kid. So I see my, uh, my, my wife in front of me. So I asked her, I said to her, I said, do you want my autograph? She goes, no. I'm like, why not? He goes, I just don't. She didn't want my autograph. I'm like shocked. You know, I'm like, you bitch. <laughs> so anyways, um, we we ended up um, giving up. I gave him my number. She called me. I said, "Let's have dinner." We had dinner, and the rest is history. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> so Syracuse has been great to me. I got a wife. I got a beautiful family here that lives here now. Um, it's just been a great run. So to continue my baseball career, I played with the Blue Jays for a while, and Tony Fernandez is like. He and I just clicking. I would get on base again. I steal base. He get me over. We 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 start winning games again. You were a switch hitter. I was I was a switch hitter, and so was Tony. Tony Fernandez, yeah. Yeah, we were both switch hitters. Mm -hmm. So we're winning games again, and then one day the big bosses come into town, and they all go in the and in, in the office here in Syracuse, and they call in Tony Fernandez, and they say, Tony, you 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 go into the show. And he comes out of the office all excited, jumping up and down, throwing his arms in the air. And I'm excited for him. And I'm going like, what about your double play mate? Why didn't, what about me? So I go in there into the office and I say um, to all the bosses there sitting around, I said, do you have any future plans for me? And they all start scratching their heads. And they look around each other <laughs> and they go, yeah, Bob, we think, we think you make a great coach. I said, what? Wow. We think you make a great coach. And I said, well, I'm not ready to be a coach yet. I said, if, if, if those are my future plans with the, with the Blue Jays, then I, I want to be traded or you know, let go. So the next day they traded me. The next day I get traded to the Houston Astros organization. It's another team you guys hate. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I get traded to them, and I start playing AAA baseball with the uh, the, the the Toros. Tucson Toros. Tucson Toros. There yep. you go. Pacific Coast League. Yes, Billy Doran is the second baseman. So I'm competing for a job with him. Um, and you know he's a switch hitter also, but he's he's good. He's very good. Remember Billy Doran? Yeah. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, I I played with the Houston Astros for two years, and then I'm kind of like you know sitting on a bench, not not doing much, and then I get a phone call from the Milwaukee Brewers, Milwaukee Brewers, which happens to be um, one of the uh, one of the player development guys there who I played who who I knew from the Toronto Blue Jays organization. He says, Bobby, would you be interested in playing in El Paso, Texas? with with double a team in el paso he goes you'll love it you fly everywhere it's not your typical double a team it's 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 uh, it's high class it's very good they draw five to six thousand people uh a night it's a lot it's a lot of excitement so i said yeah yeah so i go to uh, tucson and i play with the um milwaukee brewers for two years El Paso Diablos. El Paso Diablos. You I, did some, very... I did some research on you. <laughs> yeah, El Paso Diablos. Yeah, that was a fun place to play. And it was just good. It was just a lot of fun. Then I finally got released from that team. And uh, I was married at the time. So I was like, okay, time to, time to find something else. But my high school buddy, David Stern, Remember him, Barry? David Stern. He's he not the that? David Stern today, is he? From the no, 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 no. Yeah, this is a different name. David Stern. Okay. So David Stern has a he inherited a company from his dad. It's a it's like a, a jean. They make patterns for jeans. So he goes, come out to California, Madera Beach. I got a, an apartment for you. You can leave right from here. You're halfway there already. I'm in Texas. I said, all right. So I go to Texas and he throws me into the fire. He said, you're either going to sink or swim is how he phrased it. So he goes, people are going to come in for orders. These are orders. This is what you do. And you just ship them out. I said, all right, I can do that. I didn't mind it, the job at all. It was the commute. It took me two hours and 15 minutes to get home, to go to work and to get home. So for me to get to be at work by nine, I had to get up really early to make that long commute. So that didn't, <coughs> that lasted about a month. And then I said to my wife, I said, let's just go back home. And uh, we bought a, a townhouse here in Syracuse. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, how, uh, that's how I end up here. Got to deal with the weather, but other than that, it's a beautiful place. There you go. Um, yeah. I thank you for that, uh, that chronological um, history of your life. <laughs> I, I think our our panel would like to ask you questions, and it's a good chance to take a little drink. <laughs> you do okay. a little talk, you need a little, little fluid yep. in here. So, guys, if you want to ask questions, uh, you know, do we do we gotta do it? Then unmute yourself and uh, let, let's see. Is that all right with you, uh, Bobby? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So why don't we start with with Barry? Barry, unmute yourself and then go. Uh, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, Rob and I actually were talking earlier today, and he was telling me a very interesting story of a um, uh, an encounter that he had with uh, Kirk Gibson, who we had mentioned earlier, who he, who he knew from the uh, Tigers. So, Rob, you asked me to remind you about Kirk oh, Gibson. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also, after that, um, 
I re- if you recall, I mentioned to you, I had, we had Tim Tuffle on about a year ago. Yes. You, I think you've had um, some experience with Tim as well. So if you can share those yeah. two stories with everybody, I think they'll find it very interesting. Okay. Well, the, the first one with the Detroit Tigers, like I mentioned earlier, I played for Jim Leland and uh, Kurt Gibson was, uh, was on my team, on our team. And um, I, I was a kind of like what they call now, like a punch and Judy kind of guy where you just put the ball in play and just use your speed to get on base. So Kirk Gibson approached me one day and he says, Bobby has said, I noticed you don't strike out very often. I said, what's your approach when you have two strikes on you? What do you, what are you thinking? What's your thought process? And I said, well, what I do is I call it my two strike emergency stand. And what I do is I open up my stands a little bit, spread my legs and I don't stride. I just use my upper part of my body, just use my hands and put the ball in play. I'll pull it, I'll slap it the other way, use my speed to, uh, to get on base. So um, I was telling Barry earlier that um, it's funny when 1988, when Kirk Gibson came off the bench and he had two bad knees or two bad legs and he couldn't swing the bat, um, all he did was use his, uh, his upper body, just his hands. And they asked him later on, you know, and they said, well, well, what, do you, what do you account that to? He goes, well, I just went into my two-strike mode, my two-strike emergency stand. So I was like, mm-hmm. I can't believe he remembered that. <laughs> he used it. So yeah, was, that was pretty interesting that he, that he did that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, he was fun to watch and play, and he was just uh, – he played he was football. So, Did he play football for Michigan? He did, Michigan State. He and, was Michigan State? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was and, receiver, I think, wasn't he? Yes, he was. I think I remember. He, yeah, yeah. And so was uh, Rick Leach. Rick he Leach. Was quarter, That's right. Rick Leach. He was the quarterback. And I also played with him in AAA with the Tigers. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, talk, talking about Tim Tuffle, I remember him very clearly because uh, – uh, we used to go to Toledo, Ohio, which is the the Mud Hens, T- Toledo Mud Hens. Remember that, Mark? Mm-hmm. The Mud Hens. Of course, right. of course. Anyways, he was playing second base, and I knew he was kind of tall for a second baseman, but he had good hands, and he can hit. He can hit. He was just a good hitter. He can spray the ball everywhere, and he, you know he has some pop. He can hit for power too. Also on that team was uh, Kirby Puckett was on that team also when he played for the twins. So yeah, those, those were some good times. Did you, did you stand side by side with Kirby Puckett? Wasn't he, wasn't you know he what? He's, he's about my height. You're right. <laughs> that, I think that's why I admire him so much. Cause he was short like me. You know, I admired all the little guys <laughs> grow, growing up, you know, like Joe Morgan. Yeah. Freddie Patrick. A long time ago, before you, there was <laughs> guys. Remember Albie Pearson yeah. and Freddie Patek? They were they yeah. were short players, and they Freddie Patek, yeah, yeah, yeah. Five feet four. Eddie Goodell. <laughs> oh, you're going extreme <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. Who else oh. has a question? Okay, uh, Gerald, unmute and go. Robert, thanks for coming today. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, the organizations that you played for. I know that the Cardinals always had a good reputation for developing players. Branch Rickey uh, started the, the farm system 
and the Cardinals supposedly had a book that they sent around their system on how to play baseball. Which of the organizations that you played for were particularly good in developing your skills? Um, you know, I, I got to say the Blue Jays were pretty good at that. Um, the Tigers, you know, always had a winter, winter league um, league that they, they for, for a month, I think, in Florida, where they developed their minor league players. But I think for the most part, it was, it was I would got to say the Blue Jays. Because I coached the Blue Jays for, for two years after my playing days were over. I was in a minor, I, I was in Medicine Hat, Canada. And I coached up there. And I was always working with players. And I was always told, you know, work, work with these guys, work with these guys, work on this, work on that. So <clears throat> I got to say, yeah, the Blue Jays were more like instrumental in uh, developing players. Uh, and they, they have a reputation, too, of, of uh, signing young high school players and then develop them into better players. An example of that is, uh, oh, my God, his name slipped in my head right now. He's a catcher for the Blue Jays. Uh, what's his name? Young guy. Uh, anyways, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But, uh, yeah, the Blue Jays probably were, were most uh, in developing players. Okay. Who else? Thank would you. Like? Who else would like? <clears throat> uh, Ron? Yeah, how you doing, Bobby? Thanks for coming on. I'm just Hello. curious, what, what years did you play for Bayside High School? Well, I, uh, it was 1974. 72 to 74 or 75, oh. I think it was. Oh, okay. Because uh, I thought was it, it was a little later than that because I played for Flushing High School. Oh, did you? Yeah, for 74 uh, to 6. 74 so, to 6. Yeah. Um, so we, I, we definitely I was, played. I, I know. 73 to 75, I think I played at Bayside High School. Okay. So we probably crossed paths yeah, in 75. We, just, we probably... Uh, played against each other yeah and on on the on the team i played for at flushing three of our players were drafted i don't know if you realize that what was that what, what were the uh, names well, one you were in the detroit organization yes one of the players was drafted by the tigers uh, uh gabe hernandez he gabe he was, hernandez yeah, he he unfortunately uh, got injured like his second year in the uh, minor leagues and didn't make it. But mm -hmm. then we had our the star play was Dave Von Olin, who was drafted by the uh, Mets actually, and actually made it up to the majors for the Cardinals. No, I don't remember. Oh, okay, but I, I thought yeah. but our pads probably <clears throat> crossed with seventy five. All right, Milton. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of quick things. When you, all your years you played in the minor leagues, did you ever come across some players that had terrific ability and never got to the major leagues for some other factors other than their ability that interfered with it? I once, I heard an interview with Curtis Grandison and he said there were some tremendous players in the minor leagues that had a big adjustment, anything from being away from home for the first time mm -hmm. 
but that did not get to the major leagues, you know, what factors separated people with the same abilities? Yeah, I have one particular example is when I was with the Blue Jays and I was sent down to a ball to play, as I mentioned earlier, there was this kid, he was out of high school, a number one pick, received a lot of money to sign all the ability in the world can hit for power. He was what they call a five, two player, all the tools hit, run, throw, uh, just good baseball ability and just could do it all. But for some reason, right here. Did, uh, I'm trying to think, I think it was 19, 1980 or 81, 80. I can't remember exactly. I was I was in uh I was in Kinston. So, anyways, what I what I think held this kid back was um he it just he didn't want to put the work into it. He didn't he was I don't know if he was a spoiled brat, but he just didn't want to do anything. He thought that he didn't need to practice. He didn't need to run. He didn't need to do anything. Yet, you know, they gave him a ton of money, but he just, I think it might have been a psychological thing. Um, but this kid had all the tools in the world um, and he, he just didn't make it. I, I think right. three years later, they released him. Yeah. Right. My other question was um, growing up in Bayside where you played, and I know uh, Barry knows him very well. A good one of my best friends coached the Bayside Yankees, who won five world championships during the those years. I don't know if you played with his son, possibly uh, at Bayside High School, Robbie Seltzer. Robbie I know Seltzer. Uh, Barry knows uh, Ron very well. No, no, we're related to him. What's that? We're related to him. My, you my are wife, related to him? Yeah. My wife's cousin, yeah. <laughs> no, no, Barry, uh, Ron is a very good friend of mine, as you know. I'm, as a matter of fact, I had lunch with you one day in the bagel store, New Hyde Park. But I know uh, Ron coached those world championship teams, and a lot of his players are in the went to the major leagues or got scholarships to college. I just thought... I remember uh, when I played the base on Little League, uh, my coach, with his last name was Valley, and he had three sons. Two of them I played with, and then the oldest son was John Valley. He was a catcher. He actually made it to the major leagues, and he played with the Seattle Mar Mar Mariners for a number oh, yeah. of years. I don't know if anybody remembers John Valley, but his, his dad actually you know coached John. me. So you know John? I know John Valley and his brother David Valley. Dave, yes. Dave. Dave, Dave Valley. Yeah. I play literally with those guys Dave in Valley. Bayside. Yeah. A funny story about Dave Valley. Um, we we're about the same age and we were both trying to sign professional baseball contracts. And uh, there was a big tryout at Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. And David Valley is catching. And I'm up at bat and they got this, this pitcher. Good, good left-handed pitcher. He's throwing nasty curveballs, and um, David Valley's telling me what pitch is coming. He's catching behind. We had no umpire or anything, so he's 
he's telling me what pitches are coming. And I'm going, okay. And I'm, <laughs> I'm lining base hits and I'm, I'm doing it all, right? So they said, okay, you on this side. So we were invited to come back the next time. So yeah, he and I were good friends, played Little League together. His, his bro- older brother, I think, is in, he makes baseball gloves now or something. Uh, Kelly Baseball Gloves. Uh-huh. His, his older brother. Bobby, tell, us, tell me, the other day we talked, you said one of your biggest thrills was on a spring training and you're at the big club and they and you, and you, they asked you to oh. go in for, I'm not going to mention his name, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, I was with the Tigers, Sparky Anderson was the manager. It was in Bradenton, it was a spring training game and I got called up just uh, to kind of play in the spring training game. And then, uh, well, Lou Whitaker was the second baseman. Lou Whitaker was the second baseman at the time. So Sparky says to me, he goes, Bobby, go in and give Lou Whitaker a little break. So I'm a little, I jump out on the bat. I go, yeah, there's quite a few people there for a spring training game. And uh, it was just so much fun. You get treated so much different. What was uniform yeah. number? 96, 95? <laughs> Something like that. It was very high. It was up there. <laughs> but it was it was nice because Omar Omar Moreno was up. He we playing the Pirates. That's where they Bradenton their their Triple uh, A uh, Grapefruit League was. They played mm-hmm. their games. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember making a nice backhand play up the middle and flipping it to Alan Trammell for to get a force, and that was it. And all all I heard was a big cheer. <sighs> but it was just fun. It was so much fun. Big experience, very really exciting. Yeah. Those... Uh, what do you what do you prefer, second or short? I even say I see in your, your bio, you played a little third. Even says outfield. Yep. Play what was your third. What was your main? Uh, what do you like the best? Well, you know, growing up, I was always a shortstop. High school shortstop, little league shortstop, college shortstop. Then I got to A ball. Then Jim Leland. I played some shortstop for him at, at my first year. Then he just moved me over to second, and I never played second in my life. And Jim Leland actually was the one who taught me how to do the footwork around second base. So, uh, so I, 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 I think now I prefer second uh, than short. But um, I like enjoy Bo- third. Like Volpe in spring training, the new he's a shortstop. It's all he played. They gave him a little experience at uh, second base during spring training. Yeah, yeah. you never know. I never know. Yeah, I didn't care. Go in there and play. Exactly. I I didn't really care what position I played. You're in there. I know. Michael. Michael, what do you got? Uh, Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Back in your uh, Bayside Little League days, if you remember, a young kid as an umpire, it might have been me. That was one of of my first jobs uh, I've ever had uh, as an umpire for the Little League. So that was kind of cool. But my question to you is very often when I watch a baseball game, Certain players, when they have their first at bat and they take their first at bat, they greet the umpire and their opposing catcher. Uh, and nowadays, I've never seen so much friendliness towards the opposition. I'm, I'm, I almost think that uh, Anthony Rizzo was giving uh, stock tips to whoever gets on. <laughs> and I also noticed that uh, the other day in spring training, Aaron Judge hits a double and he gets up and the shortstop gives him a big fat hug and stuff like that. Wow. So my question is, how friendly were you to uh, your opponents? And uh, you think it's a lot different nowadays? 
you know, it's, it's a lot different nowadays. Um, I, I, I was never a huggy kissy kind of guy on the baseball field. I was always, you know, nice shot, good hit, good this. Um, however, I did become friends with, uh, Don Maddenly only because I played against him in double A and I played against him in triple A with the Columbus Clippers. And I'll never forget this story. Um, I was on base for like the fourth time in a row and I go to first base and Don Maddenly says to me, he goes, Bobby, you're on first again. What are you doing here? We're going to have your mail forwarded over here. <laughs> and I'll never forget that statement because Usually you say, hey, nice hit, good, good job then. But he was like, we're going to have you mail forwarded over here. So it's, I kind of stuck in my mind. No one said that to me before. But, yeah, I'm, I wasn't that friendly. You know, we, we kind of knew each other from playing against each other in past years. And also another story about Don Maddenly was uh, when we came in to play them, um, might have been May, Don Maddenly was hitting like a, a buck sixty. And then we come back and play him again in July. And now he's hitting 360. And I said something to him. I said, hey, last time we played you, you've been a buck 60. Because I like to go over the players, you know, how to play them. And I just do a little homework before the games. <clears throat> and I said, what the hell have you been doing? He goes, Bobby, for, for like a month and a half, I've been hitting I've been going two for three, three for four, four for four. I've been on fire. Everything I hit falls in. He goes, it, I can imagine because from 160 to 360, that's a big jump. <laughs> so he was uh, he was tearing it up pretty good. I, but then I knew he he kind of had a chance to go to the big leagues because when we play against each other, we don't really know who's going to make it unless you're number one pick, unless you get a lot of money. Then then you don't quite know who are, who who are going to be your superstars. Like I thought I was going to be a superstar. And here I am. <laughs> That's but life. It's life, yeah. Hey, Jeff has a question, right? Hi, hi, Bobby. Thank you for being on. Uh, just a yes. silly question, but I was looking at your hat and looking at the insignia, and then I suddenly saw the interlocking NY and wondering if that's your team. The Yankees? Yeah. You know, I have a lot of teams. I'm a baseball player fan in general. I root for the Yankees only because I fell in love with Derek Jeter. Um, but growing up, um, if you, I was kind of like a Met fan. Uh, <clears throat> my dad was a big, huge Met fan. He took me to the, my first Met game at Shea Stadium. So now I live in Syracuse. They show a lot of Yankee games. Mm -hmm. You know, my heart is still with Detroit, my first team I signed with, so I kind of root for them a little bit. The Blue Jays, they're here in Toronto. I go to the game sometimes to watch them play. So I, I don't really have a favorite, favorite team. I have a lot of favorite teams. I kind of like I, – I root for baseball in general. I just – but I, I like I was telling Mark earlier, I would love to see the Yankees and Mets go to the World Series because then we would definitely go. We're going to be there. Subway Series. And you guys are all invited. Well, you saw one in 2000. Your mouth. <laughs> Danny. Danny. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Uh, very interesting comments. I, I have a couple of questions, maybe a little bit before your time. I'm not sure. I had a uh, 
I, I uh, graduated in 1969 high school in Great Neck. And I had a teammate, a um, fellow classmate. His name was Bill Fuller. And uh, he was a pitcher. And he was with a Detroit organization. But it may have been before your days. Uh, I don't think he ever made it to the majors. But he was always proud of that. I don't know if you ever came across a big right-handed uh, pitcher. Uh, from His name was Bill Fuller. So I don't know if you ever came across him or not. I probably, I probably faced him. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> he was with the Tigers. And then eventually yeah. he moved to Florida. He became a big-time, uh, 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 you know, coach in, the, in, in, in Florida. He passed away, unfortunately, about three years ago. Anyway, the other question is, uh, being I went to school in Anianta. Did you ever okay. play or go through the Maskey Field? Uh, Oneonta? I know when I coached Lemoyne College, we played at Oneonta. But uh, no, I never played there. Yeah, the Maskey Fields, it's a single oh, league club. It used to be the Oneonta Yankees. Yeah, I'm sure. Years I ago, it was Boston uh, Farm Club, and then it became a Detroit Farm Club last time I was out there. Yeah, that's that's more like uh, lower A ball, is it? Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I never, I started out in higher A ball with the Lakeland Tigers. Okay. So I never had a chance to play there. When, when you played, uh, Bobby, they had all those different classifications. Now they, they condensed them now, didn't they? They reduced a lot of minor league teams. I think they got rid of a lot of minor league teams, yeah. Yeah, yeah last, last, last year, the year, yeah. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Who else wants to go? Let's see. Who didn't have a? Who doesn't ask yet? Somebody repeat. Sorry, Gerald again. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, regarding uh, Kirk Gibson, I remember when he uh, joined the Dodgers in 1988. He changed the culture of the Dodgers. They used to fool around, put shaving yeah. cream in in their helmets and all. And yeah. uh, of course, he had a, uh, a football mentality, and he played with great intensity. When you played with him, did you uh, note uh, he was a very intense human being and very intense player? Yes, I did notice that. Well, you're absolutely right. He did have that football mentality. He's, he's just uh, – I played with him one year. That was it. I think after that he got called up to AAA, and then next step was the big league. So he, he didn't spend much time in the minors. But he, he did have that uh, mentality. Hard worker. Very hard worker. Didn't have a very good throwing arm. <clears throat> but, man, he was fast. He was fast. He, I think the average speed from home to, to first is like 4-2. He was like a 3-8, three, 3-9. Three, three, he was fast. He, well, he was like Mickey Mantle. Reminded me of Mickey Mantle. He's just rugged, tough. Um, just, a, just a good, good, hard-nosed player. Didn't take, didn't like to fool around. Very serious. You mentioned the Dodgers. I remember that one time with the Dodgers he, when he got traded. That you know he was losing his hair at the time, and they put some uh, eye black inside of his the the rim of his hat. <laughs> and, and then he put. Did you remember that story? You yes. Ever hear that? And yeah. then he took his hat off, and he had a ring around his head. And and that's when he set the tone. You know that he wanted to win. Yeah. Larry, thanks, Bobby. Why did you? Why do you like the uh, the uh, speed up uh, MLB rule changes? I, I just you're talking about the pitch clock. Well, that yeah, that's part yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. Well, the the thing I like about that is that 
it just, well, obviously it makes the game go a lot quicker. Um, number two, um, do you remember Mike Hargrove? Mm-hmm. I used to call him the human rain delay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hands, <laughs> hat, tap everything. And we used to do this after every single pitch. <clears throat> and, you know, as a defensive player, same thing goes to pitchers. You don't want pitchers that are walking around the mound, you know, fixing, you know, reaching for the rosin bag, walking around the mound again. As a defensive player playing short or second or wherever, you want to be, you want to get yourself in the rhythm. And you have a pitcher who's very deliberate. You got, you kind of want to say, come on, hurry it up, speed it up a little bit. Come on. But yeah, I, I do like this, uh, the, that clock rule. I do like that. But what about today, today's game, Yankees game today? Um, Cole struck out how many guys? In, in, 11. He set the one, two, three, one, two, three. You know, the uh, struck out the side a couple of times. So you guys don't like that? You want the ball hit to you? you or you like when they, they strike out the side? Well, we just want outs. I mean, I <laughs> we just want outs, yeah. But, right. but we, you know, you want you prepare yourself mentally for the ball to be hit at you every time. You, he pitches the ball. Mm-hmm. If it's not, then okay. Then you you sit back, you relax, you regroup, and then you get yourself mentally prepared again for the ball to be hit to you. Mm-hmm. And you know that's strikeouts. I don't mind. It's just you know the walking around the mound, the taking your time. Then it's a ball. Then you do it all over again. And that but don't they of, need time to compose themselves? I'm against the uh, clock. Are you? Yeah, I'm a, I'm opposed to it. Okay, today's game was over, really, what, two hours and how many minutes? 34. 2.34. Okay, fast game. Fast yeah, game. Yeah. There wasn't much action, and you know, a couple of hits here and there. But uh, I think the pitchers <laughs> need time to compose themselves. Uh, okay, there wasn't a strike, so he got to come back. He got to think about it. And before you know it, the time is up. So uh, I'm, I'm against it. I think they need more time to do these things. Uh, maybe That's a little bit more time. Yeah, maybe a little more time. I don't know. I don't know. It depends. Uh, Fred has a question. Yeah. I think it's yeah. good for... What do you think about the, the, the banning of the shifts? You know what? I think it's great. I, I like it too because um, it just it's just going to make the game more interesting. Like I said, I, I'm an old school. So now all these pool hitters now, you know, mm-hmm. dead pool hitters, you know, now they're going to learn, they're going to have to learn to hit the ball the other way, put the ball in play. They can't be swinging for the fences every single time. You know, it's, but I think it's going to increase the averages because now those, those shifts where you have the second baseman playing short right field, uh-huh. they're yeah. going to be hits. They're going to be hits, not outs. They'll create more runs. Create more runs, more runs create yeah. more exciting, more excitement. Yeah. Which will make the like game it. longer also as a result of that. <laughs> a little bit but same thing the other rule is they're making the bases wider do you notice yeah yeah they're yeah. wider i said i don't i don't see a big difference in that but they think more stolen bases no it's yeah. the same it's a little bit shorter di- shorter distance between first and second <laughs> second third what's that inches. Inches? an inch inches, yeah Probably. yeah an inch uh, squared i guess makes Presents a little larger. Alan, you have a question? Uh, it's four inches. It's four, four inches, inches difference. Four inches difference? 
All three around? inches on each each base. Okay. Two inches on well, each Well, no, side. it's three inches bigger, but I think the way it's set up is four <laughs> inches. Yeah. I was watching ESPN. Oh, really? They were talking about that. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Michael has a question. Yeah. Hi again. Uh, do you have any recollections of going into any prolonged slumps? And do you had did you have any psychology of how to get out of slumps? Oh my gosh. Well, funny story. Is your do you have a son named Howard? How Howie Schwartz? Howie? Howard? No, no. I said no? it's Jeffy. Okay. because um, uh, you mentioned umpiring. No, I have a, a funny story. Um we're playing here in Syracuse, Toronto Blue Jays, playing the Tidewater Mets. And there's an article written about me the day before saying Bobby Nanden has not had a strikeout in over 100 at-bats. Not one strikeout in over 100 at-bats. So here comes the Tidewater Mets the next day. Sid Fernandez, they call him El Sid. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A big, big... Uh, husky left-handed with a really loopy curveball. El Gordo was his nickname. <laughs> yes, El Gordo. Anyways, uh, he comes into town and he's a left-handed pitcher. I'm I'm a switch hitter, so I'm batting right-handed, my my natural side. So make a long story short, he comes in and strikes me out three times. Mm-hmm. So they jinx me. <laughs> the newspaper article jinx me. So, yeah, to get out of a slump, there's really, you know, everybody's trying to help you, you know, do this, do that, try this, try doing this, stand on your head, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just hit the ball where they ain't, and who exactly. knows, who knows who they are, but so, if, if it doesn't affect your fielding, I guess it's all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, sometimes you go in a field and slump, too. Yeah, I, yeah. but I, I, I don't think I ever did, but I know that when I was coaching at Lemoyne College, um, I had my shortstop, great player. He went into a fielding slump where he was just overly charging everything too hard. He was not letting the game come to him. He was going after it. He was just he was booting it, booting the ball, and just not playing, not playing well. But you just have to, uh, you know, sometimes you see things like that in fielding, but hitting wise, you know, everybody's telling you everything. You just kind of almost have to figure it out on your own and just kind of like forget about everything. Try not to uh, put too much pressure on yourself. Did you feel that, uh, that in, let's say they're all professionals, right? You get, you're getting paid. If you're in a single A ball, you are getting money, correct? You are getting a little bit of money, Money. not a whole lot. Okay, get a little money. And <clears throat> the people in single A ball, are they like on showcase each time? Each one is trying to do their best. So they impress the the upper oh, yeah. echelon so they can move up the double A ball. <laughs> and the same thing happens. A double A ball, I want to do my best. I'm on showcase. Um, um, I did a fantastic play. Oh, I had a great hit. And maybe they'll bring me up to triple A ball. So it's everything is like you're uh, you're like auditioning while playing a game. That's- that's a great question. Absolutely. You're, you're definitely auditioning every single game. You're being judged. They even do a scouting report. Of the, the, manager's, <coughs> excuse me, the manager's job is to do a scouting report on each player, how they did, what they did, 
along with the stats, what they did that day. So every game you'd be evaluated. It just, it just, uh, especially (laughs) it's, it's tough back in the days when I played, I used to play hurt because I was afraid somebody else was going to come in and take my job. If, because again, if you're not a big bonus baby, as they call it, you know, your, your chances of, of staying on a team were very limited. Expendable. You're expendable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there was a lot of pressure to perform and do well, but at the same time you had to relax and, and play your game and have fun doing it. And, um, you know, that's what I did. I, I enjoyed playing it. It wasn't so much the money. It was just the fact that I was playing the game. I was reading an article today. Maybe some of you guys on the panel read it. They increased the salaries of minor league ball players. Any of you guys oh. see that today? I, I didn't. I, I saw, I'm trying to find that. I saw it on the. Where did I see it? Thinking about what, what you guys got back in those days. I saw well, that, hap- that happened in 2021. <laughs> that they they increased the uh, salaries. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I made. My oh, I got contract. it. I found it. Uh, low A. Yeah, um, eleven thousand to twenty-six thousand dollars. Think wow. about what you got paid back in those days. High A, eleven thousand twenty-seven. A uh, double A, thirteen eight to thirty-two. Uh, triple A, seventeen five to thirty-eight eight. That's what yeah. the range they can get. Yeah. Think about what you got in those days. Don't tell us, because <laughs> but you know it's not nowhere near that. <laughs> No, not even close. <laughs> I can tell you, I'll tell you about my first contract. I looked at it and I said, wow, this isn't very much money. But then again, I didn't care. But uh, I can tell you my first contract was uh, $800 a month. There you go. That was it. And they gave you food money? Uh, they did give me per diem. Yep. So that was that was good. Only when you were on the road. Not when you were home. When you're home, you're on your own. Buy your own food, cook your own meals. So yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't an easy life. And you bus, an easy you bus to all all the stadiums. We bus to all the stadiums. Did they buy? In A ball and double A, the only double A team was the El Paso Diablos, the Texas. We flew everywhere. Right, but when right. you get to Triple A, Triple A, you you do fly everywhere, which is nice, and. Uh, you treat it. You treat it a lot better. The fans are a lot nicer. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's different. Big leagues is it's like you treat it with white glove. Now, I don't know uh, how it how it was back then, but now you have twenty six players on the on the team, and they have fourteen extra players who are on the forty man roster, but they're they're traveling with the AAA team. Is there any resentment? Like the teammates of yours, I guess there's no resentment, but they actually no. because they're on the they're on the major league roster. Yeah, but they're traveling with the AAA teams. No. Yeah, yeah, they're you know they're it's part of the contract that's negotiated by their agent, mm-hmm. and unless unless again if if you're a signee, a free agent. You know, you can't afford an agent, so you don't get an agent. So you're on your own to negotiate your own contract. Mm-hmm. I remember calling up um, with the Detroit Tigers uh, front office saying, you know, I can't even live on this. How can you possibly pay me this? 
<laughs> I wasn't really afraid to speak my mind. Um, but they said, okay, we'll give you a little bit more. <laughs> so they gave me like $150 more. <laughs> I said, oh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks for especially, nothing. Especially if you're married, right? Well, I wasn't married in A-ball, but okay, um, okay. It, was, it was shortly after that that I got married. I got married back in 1985. So I was uh, already established. And uh, so it was getting down to the end of my career. Yeah, I have you down here playing. You started in '78. Yep. With the Lakeland Tigers. Tigers. Yep. And you went to '86 with the El Paso Diablos. Yep. I have you down here. And then '87, I coached. Oh, getting back to my story, when I went into the front office with the Toronto Blue Jays, and they said they wanted to make me a coach, I said, "Well, I'm not ready to be a coach. You might as well trade me." So they trade me the next day. So I, after my playing days were over in '87. I called, uh, I called the Toronto Blue Jays and I spoke to the player development guy, Bobby Maddock. And I, I, I talked to him and I said, okay, I'm ready to be a coach. And he goes, great. And I, I'm a bilingual, so I speak fluent Spanish and they usually sign a lot of Spanish speaking players. <clears throat> so yeah, we'd love to have you. So I signed a contract to coach in the minor league system. And I did that for two years. My son was born and I was on the road, babysitting high school kids, teaching them how to play the game. And I was missing being with my son at home. And my wife would be, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that back then. We had pagers. And, uh, oh, he just took his first steps. Uh, he's starting to walk. And I'm like, I'm sitting in a hotel room watching TV getting ready for tomorrow's practice or whatever. So I said, no, this is not for me. I want to be home with my son. So that's when I quit coaching and came home. Yeah. It was just kind of a glorified kind of job. Right. And so how was that when you quit? Cause I know people who retire sometimes have are itchy to do some, go back in or do <laughs> something else. Or they, they resent that they had to step away. Uh, well, I, I, had, I, had, I had no resentment because I had something to come home to. My son was, you know, something to look forward to and, and, and playing with. And I came back to no job. Uh, my wife had a job. We had one car. Uh, we were just trying to make ends meet. We had just bought a house. So we were kind of living paycheck to paycheck. <clears throat> so then... I kept looking for a job. I couldn't find a job anywhere in Syracuse. I, I, so I, I tried to work at Dick's Sporting Goods. They were only paying like $5.25 an hour. And then go, oh, no, I don't think I like that. So then finally, I, I went to this cable company, the advertising um, sales people. So I went in an interview and they gave me the job knocking, knocking doors, going door to door, selling cable services. And I said, oh, yeah, this sounds interesting. My, I get home to my wife, and my wife says to me, goes, you're going to hate that job. You're going to be knocking on doors late at night in bad areas of the neighborhood. You're going to hate it. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I said, honey, we got to do something. I don't like living paycheck to paycheck. So 
I did that for a while. We started making a little bit of money. We bought another car after that. Uh, things started getting a little bit better. Um, then they made me a supervisor. And then I get a call from this newspaper guy that I knew. And he calls me up and he goes, hey, Bobby, are you still interested in, in coaching? Getting back in the game of baseball? And I said, yeah. I said, well, there's an opening at Lemoyne College, which is a, a division one program here in Syracuse, a small college, about 45, 4,500 enrollment, but good baseball program. Very good. The AD, the, the, the head coach is becoming the AD and they're looking for an assistant coach. <coughs> so I said, yeah. So he goes, come on, I'll go up there. Let's go up there right now. I'll introduce you to him. He's in his office. They're looking for a coach. I said, all right. So I go up there and uh, he goes, yeah, I know who you are, Bobby. I read about you in the papers. I used to read about you in the papers. He said, he says, oh, yeah, well, that's good. He goes, great. He goes, I thought I was going to make like 20, 25,000. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to start you out a little bit more than I normally pay my coaches, my assistant coaches. We're going to start you out at $6,000 a month. I'm, yeah, 6,000, no, a year. $6,000 a year for coaching part-time. And I'm like, mm, mm, okay, I'll take it. So I get home that day and uh, I tell my wife, honey, I got another job. <coughs> she goes, what are, you gonna, what are you doing now? <coughs> I said, I'm coaching baseball at Lemoyne College. Said, really? I said, yeah. And I said, I can do both. So I started juggling both. <coughs> Excuse me, Mark. Problem. And, and so, uh, so yeah, it turned out to be a good thing. We won a couple of Division One championships, won the MAC tournament a couple of times, <coughs> went into the NCAA tournament a couple of times. Small school, just to, just to get there was a huge accomplishment. But um, it was fun. And then my coach, uh, my, my son, as he got older, he had an opportunity to get partial scholarship to go there because of me. And he was a pretty good baseball player himself. He played independent baseball for five years. So he was, he was pretty good. <coughs> but yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good run. Yeah. And then my, my daughter got a scholarship to play softball at SU Syracuse university. That's when I decided to stop coaching after 13 years. Yeah. So I stopped coaching and I spent time watching my daughter play softball. And, and you talk about, She's probably the best athlete in the family. <coughs> She's pretty good. All right. Does anyone have any more questions for, for Bobby? And then we could, uh, you want to, okay, Michael, maybe Michael yeah, and Fred uh, will call today. For me, I mean, during my baseball fandom, I remember players like uh, Mike Hargrove, who said, uh, Al Roboski, Willie Mays, Ricky Henderson, they all had very, very strange idiosyncrasies. Can you think of any baseball players that have had very unusual idiosyncrasies as you were playing in the minor leagues? Well, playing against Kyle Ripken, I remember he he every he changed his batting stand all the time. You know, one day he'd be straight up, next day he'd be like that, you know, level. Um, you know, everybody has their little, uh, you know, little habits, little things. But um, that's why that's I think not. it's important to have that because, you know, um, growing up, 
we all played ball, and then we all wanted to like imitate our favorite players, right? And they all had those idiosyncrasies, and mm-hmm. now they're taking it away. They're taking it away. They're, yeah, making, yeah. they're making it too routine, too automatic. That's yeah. why I don't like this this clock thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. That's you a know? good point. Yeah. Right, Fred. Yeah. Do you think baseball should ever go to a system like hockey or? Pro football, where you have 30 guys on the roster, but you can only dress 26 for a game. So you really, truly have 26 players in a game because you always have is 26 people on the roster, but you know four starting pitches are never going to play in that game. So this way, the Players Association would like it because you have, you're creating more major league jobs and you, and, and you, and, and you, and you, and you have a full roster. Because like I said, you're not going to have four guys who aren't going to, who, who are never going to get into that game. Yeah, but that's not fair to the players because they're not, you know, they're not getting experience. You know, they're just sitting on the bench. So no, but no, that they would. Well, I don't know. I mean, they would practice, but it's not the same as game situations. Yeah, but they would be gaining service time. That's true. That's true. But I don't think the players might go for that. They'd rather be playing. I think. I, I believe. I know. I would. I mean. <laughs> don't want I, I hated sitting on the bench <clears throat> and I didn't sit on the bench until my later on in my career <clears throat> and that was no fun no really. but, yeah. all right all right I want to uh, I want to thank you uh, Bobby Rob Bob <laughs> <laughs> whatever you call yourself on a Thursday <laughs> bullet, bullet Bob bullet thank Bob. you I want to thank you and uh, like Bob Turley for joining, yeah. for joining us today. It was I mean, you gave us a great insight of uh, of the other end of yeah. of baseball players' uh, careers. Um, I'm sure you um, uh, definitely um, did a great job for us, and I really, thank really you. appreciate you taking your time out to uh, to uh, spend a time with on the Mark Sports. Yeah, that was that was fun. Yes, was it was. Fun. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Thank All you, right. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. You. All right. Take, take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <clears throat> okay. Um, do we want to um, thank you, Barry, if you hear us, too? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're very welcome. I'm going to call, I'm gonna call him later. Thank him. To do. I'm going to call him later and just thank him again, because, again, with this cold, he, he struggled a little bit, but uh, he he did a great job answering the question. That was really I, nice. I thank you for the uh, for the for the getting him for us. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to work on you know who next. <laughs> I won't I won't mention names yet because I haven't had dinner with him yet. But you know I'm talking about Mark, Mr. Collins. I'll let you know, That's Mr. What I think Collins. That'd be great. Uh, his initials are um, TC. <laughs> Terry, Terry, Terry Collins, huh? We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, thank Take you, care, everybody. God thank, bless. Thank you. Best chat. Thanks. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Good to That's see you, fun. Barry. Fun. Thanks, Barry. Okay. Fun. So, what do you guys think? Huh? Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice little yeah. story yeah. of uh, a minor league ball player. Yeah. Never mm. got the crack to move into the uh, what they call it, the show, right? Big leagues. Yeah. Show, yeah. The big leagues. You know. By the way, this Sunday. Eileen and I are going to see a rail rider game. We're going to go up to uh, Scranton, Wilkesbury. Actually, it's in the town of Music, Pennsylvania. Very nice little stadium. And I'll probably see uh, the shortstop that the Yankees didn't keep uh, for, jo- 
what was his name? Pedraza. 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 And uh, I was reading it. You know who I like on the uh, on that team? Uh, what's his name? A, a good relief pitcher, uh, Trevino or something. I forgot who it was. No, Trevino's yeah. injured. He's injured now, Trevino. Who do you mean? Right. There's somebody else. Nobody hits him, and they don't keep him. He's like a journeyman guy. And Weber. Weber. Oh, Weber. He'll be on that Weber. Team, Weber. Right? And uh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Weber, Ryan. Ryan Weber, very good. I've never seen anybody score on him, but they don't keep him. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Peraza out of options? I don't I think so. No, Floreal, Floreal, Floreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's why Floreal is still up. Right. I think yes. Floreal is out of options. Right. Yeah. You might, have, right. You might have seen him for the last time today. He was a pinch yeah. runner. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you know who Bobby played with also? Who? Tim Cruz. Who? You remember Tim Cruz? C R E W S? The pitcher? Wasn't he the guy who was killed in a boating accident? That's right. He died in a boat with Bobby Ojeda. Oh. The guy Steve Olin, I think, on the Indians. Steve Olin. Right. Wow. Why didn't you bring it up when he was here? I was thinking about it, but that's kind of depressing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's before we can can finish the show. Uh, how are the Mets doing? Anyone know? One nothing. Mets. One nothing. One nothing. Okay. But by the way, it was very surprising in the Met game. Daniel Vogelberg really showed some speed going from first to third on a single. And he oh yeah, I saw that. Fly. Yeah, with Nabias. Yeah, he's really, 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 really good yes. running. Yeah. He said he lost twenty Easy. pounds in the offseason. Right. He I think really it helped. Showed, you see. Did he yeah. get a hit uh, like in the hole where he normally would have been out? I, I think so. I, you know, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. It was he a good hole. Well right. Yeah. yeah. I have a question. If you are a diehard Yankee fan, should I get Apple TV Plus or should no. I spitefully not get it? No, it's horrible. No. Don't get horrible. it. You, you won't enjoy the game. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think it's the most. Sick listening to John and oh, Susan. God. They have some good shows on, though. So if you like Ted Lasso? One yeah. I know, I know. You know what? Listen, to, listen to the game days. and listen to the game and use your own vis- visualization. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. So, um, why don't we, um, in the remaining time, let's do ten minutes? Do you have any report? Uh, let's see, um, Gerald, Miss Gerald, he's there. You want to give a short report, not a complete report? Very unmute yourself. I, I, I can do that. Okay. An abridged report. <laughs> abridged report. I'll let uh, uh, Michael give a sh- give a short report. Michael, uh, I'll save the short one for the, the today's week, game next week. I just uh, you have a quick comment about what's and, annoying me. And Fred, we'll talk about NCAA. I want to say what's annoying me about Let's talk. Let's do a little short report so we don't miss these things. Yeah, and, and Milton, where's Milton? Yeah, I'm here. Your song will come at the end. Okay, sir. No okay. problem. Okay, so what do you got, uh, Gerald? Make it short. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to review the 1998 MLB season. These are what I believe to be the key facts about the 1998 MLB season. For the awards and leaders, I will name the National League player, followed by American League player. Key awards, MVP, Sammy Sosa and Juan Gonzalez. Rookie of the year, Kerry Wood and Ben Greve. Cy Young, Tom Glavin and Roger Clemens, key leaders, batting average, Larry Walker, I love Colorado, and Bernie Williams. 
Home mm. runs, Mark McGuire, 70. I wonder how he did that. Ken Christie, 56. <laughs> right. Uh, Sammy Sosa, RBIs, and Juan Gonzalez, ERA, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. The Rocket. On Jeez. September 8th, Cardinal Mark McGuire topped Roger Maris home run record by hitting his 62nd off of Steve Traxel. Barry Bones became the first player in MLB history to have 400 home runs and 400 steals in a career. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, on September 20th, Cal Ripken ended his great streak when he asked to be removed from the lineup. His streak was 2,632 consecutive games. Never happen again. Uh, yeah. Let me just skip Very through close. these. Uh, on, uh, here's an interesting one. On, on May 25th, David Bell becomes the third player in MLB history to play against the team managed by his father, Buddy Bell. The okay. other two were Bumped Wills against Maury Wills and Moises Alou against Philippe Alou. Yankees won 114 games, highest absolute win total in history. Although we know, Mike, that the, the Indians of 1954 won 111 and had the highest winning percentage. In the World Series, the Yankees Cubs, defeated Cubs. the Padres 4 to nothing. Here are some composite statistics for the World Series. The Yankees batted 309. The Padres batted 239. ERA, the Yankees 2.75. The Padres 5.82. The Yankees won their 24th title, most by any team. Scott Brocious was the MVP, batting 471 with eight hits, including two home runs and six RBIs. Mariano Rivera and Jeff Nelson both pitched in three of the four games with an ERA of 0, 0.00. And that concludes my report for the 1999 season. David Wells had a perfect game in that. Uh, 1999, right. 1998 season. Right. Who did? Who did? David Wells. Yeah. 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 I didn't get traded right. the next season. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry neglected one important thing on his entire report. Uh, what was that might have been that might have been the greatest team in Yankee history, and you never mentioned that. I mentioned that they had 114 victories, and I also mentioned that was the most absolute number of victories in the season, but not the highest winning percentage because. Because the uh, the Indians of 1954 won 111 in1954 Mm. Thank that's you, Ron. Michael, you got a, a fast report? Mm, they can't play that at John Daniels. Michael, I'm going to save my lengthy report for uh, next time. But okay. I have one comment about the Jets. There's something Thanks. that's really bothering me about the Jets. And up until uh, what was bothering me started to bother me, I thought the Jets could have a very, very good season next year. But I'm having a lot of problems with Robert. A lot of problems with Robert Salah. There's no way that any decent coach can allow all this social media chatter. Uh, all these players who are commenting on who's getting traded, 
complaining about Elijah Moore leaving, uh, uh, suggesting who should be on the team like uh, Odell Beckham. You do not say that, and a coach does not allow that. And I really think that uh, uh, what, what's going to happen is next year, the coach of the Jets is going to be Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I'm very, very concerned about the way Solar is coaching. That's what I want to say. Let's see what happens when they complete a deal. Um, Fred. Yeah. So what's that for some basketball stuff? Uh, yeah. This weekend is the men's and women's <laughs> final four. The women's tomorrow night is a potentially great game in the women's. Yeah, South Carolina, which has won 42 games in a row, going up against Iowa with what probably has the best player in the country, Caitlin Clark, who did something the other night that no man or a woman, woman has ever done in college sports, a triple-double of scoring over 40 points in a game. And, it's, and that should be a very – really should be a very good game. It's tomorrow night, the second game of a doubleheader <clears throat> after Virginia Tech and LSU and the women's. And the men's is the first time ever since they went to 64 teams that the final four, no no team seated one, two, or three is mm. in the final four. Mm. They have Connecticut, number four, on paper, the best team playing Miami. And then the upstart, Florida, Florida Atlantic, maybe upstart. They won 35 games, but they come from a middle-of-the-road conference, Conference USA, playing San Diego State from the Mountain West. And that should be – an both games should be very interesting, and I think I think Connecticut's going to is going to win it all. But but the way the tournament's going, who knows? Yeah. And I and I just want to ask anybody: Is anybody hurt today? I didn't see me. Is anybody have an update on the ankle of Julius Randle? No, Knicks? I was going to ask. Also, I, I didn't hear anything. I haven't heard anything. It, 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 it looked pretty serious last night, and yeah, yeah. And then one other yeah. thing tonight: There's a huge game in hockey tonight. Rangers and the Devils. Versus Devils. It, it's it looks like they, they, they may play each other in the first round. They, they both have a shot of catching Carolina. But, right. but still, the Rangers can, I think, go into a tie with the Devils with, with a win in regulation tonight. And that would be yep. home ice advantage. And you say, okay, what's if home ice, you know, playing in the garden and Prudential, but, but it does make a difference. Right. And Fred a, mentioned a that about title. Title for four years. Uh, what, and and it's also looks like for the first time in I don't know how many years all all three teams, uh, local teams are going to be in the playoffs in hockey and and probably both and and both <laughs> local teams in basketball will be in the playoffs. So by the way, honorable yeah. mention with uh, Julius Randall. I saw yeah. in the news that I didn't know he was donating. Five hundred dollars for every three point that yeah. they scored yeah. this season. Yeah, they raised over eight hundred thousand dollars. Roman Rose, absolutely Roman Rose amazing. I, I, I would have never known that, and I gained a lot of respect for him also as a result of that. Yeah, I, I knew he was doing. I, I didn't know it, it amounted to that much money. Incredible. Well, you know what it is. Part of it. Part of it is that he's getting buy-in from other people now. Well, that, that's good. Fine. Too. Yeah, oh, that's it's good. great. But he's. Yeah. You know, that's great. That's, that's yeah. Yeah, okay. I you know I, so many of us did the brackets for the uh, the tournament. Yeah, and uh, everyone's bracket was broken up. People, no like I say none of the top seeds are in there. I thought nobody had it, but I saw a statistic: over twenty million brackets was submitted to ESPN. Thirty-seven people actually had the. These final four teams. Wow. No. I don't know how that ever happened. That's, That's amazing. Really? 
37. Yeah, 5 nothing Phillies, bottom of the fourth. Yeah, I see that. They just sort of just finished it on the Met yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, Fred, that's good. We thank you. Uh, we want to go on to trivia questions and end the show about 10 minutes or so with uh, some questions. We always love these questions. So why don't we do trivia and uh, we can hold some of our stories that are good for next week. Okay. And I want to thank you all for being a good uh, good audience to uh, to Bobby. All right. So let's do trivia. Uh, we'll start with Gerald. Make him current, please. Well, he's a fairly current. Fairly. <laughs> 1940s. <laughs> Anything in my lifetime. <laughs> at times, this, this MLB park allowed overflow crowds to sit on the outfield grass. Name the field. Oh. Um, Wrigley, Forbes. Cincinnati. Forbes Field. Crosley Field. Mike, you said it, Mike. Forbes Field. Yes. Forbes Field. Pittsburgh. I used to go to games there. I don't remember that. Oh, well, it was, it was before you were born. No. <laughs> it might be old, Joe, but before you were born. <laughs> well, it would have to be 1960. No, it was before that. It was before 61 or 62. Yeah. All right. Uh, Fred, you got a question? Yeah. Who was the last player to be in the 40 40 club? 40 stolen bases, 40 home runs in a season. Canseco? No. Okay. I think it's the last one. He, he has done it, but he's not the last one. A Rod. No. But there, but there is an A Rod connection with this player. Jeter, no, no, no. 40 40. No, no, Jeter never hit 40 homers. No, we don't. I gave us a junior, AS, AS, yes, AS, S, S, AS, yeah, 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 my thing, AS, Al Simmons, like an Al Simmons, right? Alfonso Soriano. Soriano is right. Alfonso, that's right. That's right. I remember he did that. Very good. Yeah, they fast we forget about him. Yeah. Uh, Michael. Okay. Who has never missed a game in his NBA career, leading all active squad players? Mikhail Bridges. You read the post. No, I just do that. My, my, my son put that right after he was traded. My son put that in, in, in one of his stories about the Nets. He, he told me about it oh. when he was traded, so I knew. I thought I'd stump everybody. All right, Fred. 1973, the Oakland A's had three pitches that won 20 games. By the blue. By the blue. Blue Moon Odom. No Blue uh, Moon Odom. Cassie Shunter. Hunter. Catfish Hunter. Hunter. Kenny Kenny Holtzman. 21 and 5, Hunter. 20 and 9, Blue. 21 13, Kenny Holtzman. Very good. Gerald. They beat the World Series. Name the MLB ballpark that had the following original dimensions 402 feet down the left field and right field lines, 550 to dead center field. Forbes Field. Polo Grounds. No, no. No. Polo Grounds was 200. Polo was like 250 down the yeah. uh, right, right field line. Right. The LA Coliseum. No. That is short to down the line. So. 402, 550. Cleveland. 
Yeah, the old. That would be a good guess. That was a big stadium. Good guess, municipal. Municipal stadium. No, no, no. Tigers, the Tiger Stadium. No. Had to be Connie Mack Stadium. No, no. Is the team still around? The team, the team is uh, reincarnated. Shall we? Another city. Philadelphia. No, let let Mm. me get. Let me give it. Kansas, Kansas City. But the uh, the up in Olympics. Let, let me give you the let me give you the years of the of the field's existence. 1915 to 1953. Shy Park. No. I what is it? We don't know. I guess it's, it's field in Baltimore. Field, Braves Field, home of the Boston Braves. But by the way, it's two nothing Mets. Yeah, Boston, Boston, Boston Braves. Yes, Boston Braves. Correct. Okay. Uh, tell me, I got a question. Question. Tell me one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have eight. Uh, eight sports in which you do not use a ball. I'll check them off. Hockey. Hockey. Hockey, right? Curling. Huh? I don't oh, have badminton. Wait, 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 wait. I, I don't have curling. Curling again. Track. Uh, run, tra- track. Track. Run. Track and field. field. Badminton. Yeah. I heard. Badminton. I mentioned. Swimming. 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 Wrestling. Wrestling. Boxing. 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 Skiing. Swimming. Swimming. Pole vaulting. Now that's track and field. Track and field. Wait, wait. Rinaldo. Right. I have I have dots. Frisbee, horse racing, and NASCAR. Also, yeah. but also, 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 you go by Olympic sports, r- rifle shooting. Rifle shooting. All right, a few right, more questions. Olympics. The time here. All right, the same two. Gerald, you are turning. Gerald, you go then, Michael. Okay. Okay. MLB player had the highest WAR for a season in MLB history. The highest what? The highest WAR. W A R. Wins above That's replacement? No, I don't. I never yeah, look at that stuff. Follow that. What I, don't, that means. I don't follow that. I don't care about that stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> What's the answer? I they don't even know what that means. Well, yeah. Babe Ruth in 1923 had a war of 14.2. He batted 393 with 41 yeah, so. home runs and 130 RBIs. Yeah, I don't need do. that to tell me he was a great player. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I read somewhere that he wasn't fat. You know, they always depict him as a fat guy. Correct. They, they said he was not fat. They said he was barrel chested. Yeah. <laughs> and skinny legs. Yeah. All right. Uh, Michael. Who bumped into Willis Reed in 1966 that got him so pissed off? That Rudy LaRusso. Rudy LaRusso. Rudy LaRusso. These guys. Also, Daryl LaMonica. What Daryl LaMonica bumped into? It was, him? It, it was either him or Larusa. Was because he LaMonica he was a quarterback. One of them had a busted nose, and the other one got knocked unconscious. It was Rudy Tomjanovich. Rudy Tomjanovich. That was I, Kermit I, I Washington. Always like LaMonica. Always like LaMonica. All right, right so, I'm just remembering somebody Fred. who got beaten up. What? What player, major league player in the modern era, went to Stony Brook? Oh, a pitcher. Right. Nathan, right? Right, Joe Nathan. Oh, wow. Oh, that's good. That one. One. Yeah. Good one, Mark. All right, Fred. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Michael. Okay. What is the nickname of Cleveland's former stadium, Municipal Stadium? Mistake on the Lake. 
The mistake on the lake is right. That's right. Lake Erie. Anybody else? I got one before you, Gerald. During World War II, depleted NFL rosters forced two teams to play together as one. The Steagles. Under, under Steelers and Eagles. The Steagles. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Very good. That was an old one. We had that before. Oh, I don't there was a novel called The Steagles. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Many years okay. ago. All right, Gerald, get it. I think the, the Mets last year had a, a spot player. I uh, played the outfield. He was a speedster. I think he went to Stony Brook as well, if I'm, if I'm not correct. I can't oh, think yeah. Of- I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. Can't remember. Okay. Short, skinny guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blonde headed guy. Can't remember. I forgot. All right, I'll come to us. All right, who has, has, else has a question? We want maybe we want to finish with two more minutes. Two more minutes of questions. Okay, Milton. First of all, right. thank everyone. Milton, before you go, Milton's going to put a song on. Give it 30 no, seconds. Wait, wait, Milton. Yeah, nice guys, show, Mark. Thank you. You Milton, guys know. Show, Mark. Milton, hold on a second. Milton, hold on. Time out. So, again, I want to thank everyone for, for being a part of today's show. I hope you all enjoyed it. It's, it was recorded, so in a couple of days, you could play back the show and uh, enjoy it again. And Milton's going to end the show with a name that tune. Give it 30 seconds before you attack him. Right. You guys know the 80s, so we're going back to 1964. 1964. Hold on, hold on. Here's your title. Yesterday's gone. All right, good. Who sang it? Dad and Jeremy. Yes, it was. And what was their other big hit that was even bigger? It's the most one of the most beautiful songs ever written by Chad and Jeremy. Summer song. You got it. That's it. Yeah, my my wife Barbara loves that song. Right. Uh, You could play it on YouTube. So every week we will go to a different decade because. I got to mix it around. You guys know the 80s and all of that. So I'm going to mix it around. 90s, 60s, 50s, whatever. We lived it. We lived it. McNeil just got a thing. Guys, go watch the big game. I'll see you guys next week. Have a great week. Goodbye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys.